Thanks for listening to the Sermons Podcast by Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Harrisville, Pennsylvania. Our purpose is to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out at harrisvilleopc.org. have a word this morning that will help us towards that end that we just uh, sang of, uh, that grace will help us to be holy, godly, good. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. It sort of works its way through the first 16 verses to a a build-up, mainly in verses uh, 15 and 16. I'm going to focus on verse 15 in the main, but uh, I'll be referring back to other verses uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the uh, the build-up is, uh, the picture is of, a, of the body uh, being built up. Uh, in Ephesians 4. In chapter 2, a similar thing has happened, but it's a build-up of structure, the temple. And Paul sort of repeated himself now in Ephesians chapter 4, of course, adding uh, something else to it. So let's just hear uh, now God's word. This is the inspired word, unlike any other. Uh, it's the revelation of God. It's, it's supernatural, even though it follows uh, grammatical rules and, uh, and rules of language and genre and things like that. Nevertheless, it was supernatural. The supernatural introduces itself into the natural and it manifests itself in the natural, but it's, it's a supernatural word. So let's hear this now. Uh, from the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And I'm reading from the King James Bible. You may follow along in the ESV. It's it's a good version. And you'll get the message as well. Or any other version that you have. Uh, But this is the King James Version of the Bible uh, made for the hearing. That's what it was written for, the, the hearing of the word. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of 
the gift of God. And there's a difference. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all that, one Father. But here's the difference. Grace is given according to the measure of the gift that God, that Christ gives you. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts to men. Various, various gifts. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. May God bless these words to our hearts and to our minds, Lord Jesus. Thank you. And thank for you. And we thank you so much for your presence amongst us, for your spirit working in us. Uh, to... Uh, to fill up our minds with, with understanding and heartfelt belief in your precious word. Give it to us now. We pray some more. Give us some more in your name. Amen. Well, uh, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more like children. Hmm. In another place, the apostle says, When I was a child, I spoke, understood, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Is Paul against children? Is Paul putting children down? Putting down the young ones? And of course not. Absolutely, positively not. Children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his great reward. Remember in the beginning, dear brothers and sisters, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with what? Animals? No, children. This is the Creator's blessing from the beginning of time. Through the abundance of children, we are sort of recreated in a sense, populating the earth so that the mandate to subdue the creation... To this day, in all the sciences and all the industries and everything else, it's subduing the creation that God... How are you going to do that? By having children. It's a blessing. They're a blessing from God. And that's how we accomplish the mandate, through having children and raising them up. Now, rather, what the apostle is against is 
no growth. No growth. Consider the parents of a child, their treasure and delight, who is not growing. What? Yeah, that happens. With lightning speed, they, they go to the doctor with tears, wondering, what's wrong with my darling? Something's terribly wrong. She's not gaining any weight. She's not gaining any height. Her extremities, her body is not getting any larger. It seems that when I hold her, she seems smaller. Please, tell me what is the matter. Do you have anything that will help her to grow? How upsetting is that? And you can't blame good parents over their deep, deep, cheerful concern for that child's condition. God is our Father, and he is deeply concerned for his own children and for their spiritual growth. He desires their growth in Christ. So that he, for example, we're told, gives to the church in verse 11... Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that they might grow. Notice the body of Christ, the we. So it's about all of us here. Not just them, not just pastors or teachers or anything. It's about all of us. As children, children, you know, you think of a child and you throw them, throw them in the air and you catch them and you can throw them to one another. You can't do that with an adult. Children, children are easy to be tossed to and fro, not only in their bodies, but in their minds, in their spirits. Childlike faith is good on in one hand if it's in a child it's not so good in an adult one measure of a uh, true church a church that is full of true believing christians is that mutually we are committed to see one another grow in grace and in knowledge of Jesus Christ and come to the fullness of the measure and the stature of Christ, as the Apostle says here in chapter 4. Spiritual stagnation ought to be just as disconcerting as a child that is underdeveloped. Now, I don't know if you feel that way. Probably not. But you should. You should. If you haven't grown for a long time, if you think you're okay for a long time, you got a problem. A serious one. Much more serious than even the child that isn't growing. But I believe Calvary Church is a growing church. But I'm not referring to the numbers. I'm referring to spiritual maturity. Small church like this having six elders, six deacons, that's a, that's, that's, 
That's a lot. There are men willing and able to serve, and there are more too in this congregation that can be. I have enough of a problem with the six that are there. I don't need more. I want us to consider two things. The why of this exhortation and the what of it. The why and the what of this exhortation in, uh, in, in this, all of this, uh, these verses, but particularly uh, in, uh, in verses 14 and 15, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about in every wind of doctrine by the slight of man, the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait, but speak the truth in love, and may grow up, unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So first, the why. Why is God exhorting us? Uh, sort of a, a mild command, you know. Instead of saying, you do this, he's saying uh, that uh, this ought to be done. God despises, uh, the, the, the why of it is because God despises uh, the one and he delights in the other. We're talking about growing up, right? In verse 15, that we may grow up. Uh, and that's, as, as I said, given in an exhortation, not uh, in a strong command, but a command nonetheless. It's an exhortation. In... Uh, Zeph- Zephaniah, Zephaniah 1.12, we read, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. In other words, the Lord doesn't really care. Right? The people were spiritually lazy. Uh, they were settled on their leaves. Uh, they did not care. They were indifferent to the word and the ways of God. In fact, their worship was the worship of Baal. They were going off in their own direction. Thinking that the Lord doesn't care anyway. He's not going to do good to us. He's not going to do bad. So let's just keep on doing what we're doing. We're okay. Spiritual, some call this spiritual complacency, the sin. Spiritual complacency is the sin of being indifferent and apathetic to spiritual matters. I'm okay. You're okay attitude when it comes to truth in doctrine and in life. That is not our Father's attitude. He cares for perfection Perfection, that's the aim. Perfection in life, perfection in doctrine. Not an I, the dot of an I, or the cross of the T is neglected by him. In doctrine and in life. So to have that attitude, as many evangelical Christians do, that's okay. We have a difference of opinion. I'm okay, you're okay. Is not okay with God.
Consider First uh, Corinthians chapter three, for example. First Corinthians chapter three, verses one and two. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. These are Christians. They're babes in Christ, but they're grown up. And they're still babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not meat. For hitherto you were not able to hear it. Neither yet, now, are you able. Paul is not commending these Corinthian Christians. They had all kinds of gifts. And they were sloppy with them. And they were doing them left and right. And they were careless in knowing and studying the scriptures with understanding. They weren't growing, spiritually growing. And Paul does not commend that. Or consider another scripture. Uh, Just to give you one other example here. uh, From Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 to 14. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you growing? Spiritually so. Are you lazy? And I know that would be an insult to anyone here because you're a bunch of hard workers out there. But all your hard work is in here. In this word. That's much more important than out there. Although out there you should be hard workers. You should be hard worker in here. Right? That's not commanded to sit on your knees. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I'm speaking to you young people in particular. Get with the program. Keep on going. Keep on growing. Do not be satisfied with what you know. You need to know more. You need to know more than I do about these scriptures. And you can. You're young enough. You're fresh enough. You can learn this stuff and exercise yourself. God does not command spiritual laziness. Of course, there's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. That's what We all began like that. But remaining a babe is not only unscriptural, it's it's worldly. It's fleshly. And it's dangerous. Because someone could come along and lead you astray. And that someone to come along and lead you astray is guaranteed. In this world, it's guaranteed.
going back to Ephesians, that we henceforth be no more children, verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive you. Guaranteed, dear young people, guaranteed they're out there to deceive. Lead you astray to lead you in their way. You're not going to be that way, though. Listening to what I'm telling you from the pulpit, listening to the teaching of this church, being, being reformed in doctrine and practice. It would, be hard to, it would be hard to deceive you. Hard to lead you astray. God does not delight in this spiritual non-growth. Uh, he wants us to grow. Meaning, the, the word to grow in this context in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, means to increase, to become more. I would remind you, dear brothers and sisters, that even our Lord and Savior himself had to do this. He had to grow. Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, this is Mary and Joseph, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's how you know the grace of God is upon you and upon someone else. They're growing. If they're not growing, where's the grace? What's happening? There's sin. That's what's happening. Sin stunts growth. And then in verses 47 to 52, and when they saw him, they were amazed. It's talking to about the the uh, the teenager now, or the young child, uh, maybe about 12. Uh, and uh, his mother said to him, "Son." Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrow. And he said to them, How is it that thou that ye sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. That's Mary. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see, God delights in growth, even the growth of his own son in those, in those child, childhood years. And that's why I speak to you young people. You're, uh, you're young and you know it need to continue to grow, but adults as well need to grow. Uh, Paul puts it in a word in, uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 15. Grow up. In Ephesians verse 15. Consider, our Lord Jesus Christ said in another occasion in the gospel, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Same word. Same word. 
increase in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1 verse 10. Grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3 verse 18. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growing. Growing in truth brings glory to God and is the delight of your Father. The the Apostle encourages our growth in verse 15 as growth into Christ. Right? That's what he says in, in, in verse 15, that we are to grow in or into Christ. It could be translated for Christ, but it's better translated here in Ephesians chapter uh, <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 15, uh, grow in Christ, uh, into Christ. And that's what we are to, uh, to continue to do all the days of our life, right? Grow up into Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that uh, is simply a growth that's not merely an intellectual understanding. <clears throat> the intellect's involved, but it's not just that. It's better understood to mean into his image and into his likeness. Grow in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. It is to become an intimate part of him, a part of his body. In other words, the whole of you, of your body, soul, mind, spirit, are connected to God in Christ. Growing into Christ grows your mind, your spirit, even your body, given over to not the lust of the flesh, but the desires of God. And he becomes, to me and to you, our new world. Uh, One pastor writes, But growth in Christ is a knowledge that sinks down deep into my heart, so that I confess with the apostle, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I was, I'll suffer the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. To grow up in Christ means that we love him, we serve him, we worship him, we identify with him. My life is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and laid down his life for me. And now it's my turn to lay down my life for him. No matter what. Give me strength, Lord, that I may do that. Because the temptation is great. It's very great to compromise. And I don't think you understand how great it is to compromise for a pastor. The Heidelberg Catechism in questions, in question and answer 81 allows those only to the Lord's Supper, and I'm quoting, allows those only to the Lord's Supper who earnestly desire to have their faith more and more strengthened and their lives more holy. So the supper is not yet for babes that remain babes. Certainly for new Christians, 
that make a profession of faith. But if they remain babes, it's not for you. But rather for those who have grown up in faith and in life and desire to continue to grow up more and more in Christ. And that is what is happening with some of our young covenant members who are willing and wanting to become communicant members. They are wanting to partake of everything that Christ has given his church to the praise and glory of his grace. And they are ready and made willing in the day of his power and honestly able to vow vows before God and his people. Next time, Lord willing. That is growing in Christ. That's an example of growing in Christ. There I've given it to you in our own congregation. But now I want to, uh, to say a little bit more from the context before we go to communion. I want to say a little bit more about this growing up in Christ, what it looks like. <clears throat> and as I pointed out, it looks like what they're going to be doing next time when they make their vows. Uh, But from the context, uh, I want to go back to verses 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So first of all, note that you are called to this. You are called. This is your vocation, your job as a Christian. This is your calling. Everyone, no exception. Everyone, from the youngest to the oldest. This is your calling. That, verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's unpack this just a little. I'm not going to unpack it all because there's more than I have the time. But uh, I, I, let me just say a word or two about some of these words. Uh, Jesus gave a singular description of himself. One description of himself in all the Gospels. He gave one. And what did he give? He said, I am meek and lowly of heart. That's the way he described his personality, his person. I am meek and lowly of heart. The only one he gave. So that's important, right? The word refers, lowliness refers to humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind, to have a low opinion of yourself, as opposed to a haughty spirit, a proud spirit. You say, I am worthy, and I say, yes, you are a worthy piece of dust. If you want to, you know, be that way, I'm worth it. You know, that old commercial from one of those uh, sellers there. Uh, you're, you're worth this. Yeah, well, you're a worthy piece of dust. Like lipstick on a pig. When you have that attitude. I don't have anything against lipstick, though. <laughs> but lipstick on a pig, I might. Uh, rather, my attitude is I'm nothing. Christ is everything to me. And I can do nothing without him. In him and with him I live and I move and I have my being to God. Be the glory in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's my attitude. That's my prayer. And I'm not always that way. But it's, it's the way I'm going. I've got to be that way. I've got to go that way. It's getting late. The hour is late for me. 
I have to go that way. I am not thinking more highly of myself than I ought, as Paul recommends in Romans. I'm thinking lowly, thinking that in life and in death I am solely dependent on my Savior now more than ever. When you get older, you, you should be feeling that way, but I'm telling you, even young people, you've got to feel this way now. You've got to start feeling this way now, thinking this way. He is my comfort in my life, and in death he'll be your comfort, for sure. I am uh, called, it is my vocation in life, to also grow in meekness. We talked about lowliness. What's, what's this word meekness referring to? Isn't it the same thing? In a way, you can translate it humility, you can trans- translate it humble, but in this instance, it may be better understood as gentleness. Gentleness. <clears throat> so, we have uh, lowliness, as a, as a humbleness of mind, uh, a, a lowly mind, a spirit. In, in, uh, in this case, we have uh, meekness as gentleness. If lowly is of the mind, meek is of the heart. Be tender-hearted, well-mannered. Some say this meekness refers to knowing, uh, to having a patient spirit towards God. What does it mean to have a patient spirit towards God? Well, when tried and troubled, and we all are, some of us more so than others, so what? In a word. When tried and troubled, rather than having a temper tantrum like a child, you patiently wait on the Lord to take care of you. He cares for you. The care is coming. Rather than, woe is me, why this difficulty? A meek and gentle spirit says, I will wait on thee in prayer for strength patiently. Not easy to do. Got to work at this. Got to pray at this. Become lowly and meek. Long-suffering is that mark of maturity whereby we exhibit a holy restraint towards others. Children must learn patient restraint. They tend to lash out against, to erupt in outbursts, or even violent reaction, swinging their arms towards any annoyance from another child. Childish adults often exhibit knee-jerk reactions towards others. Social media is a good example of knee-jerk reaction. They don't know what they're talking about, but they're talking anyway. And they're accusing, and they're this and that. Just social media. It's all over the place. It's not the only thing social media is good for or bad for, but it is one of them. Long-suffering is, uh, literally, it means a slowness in avenging Wrongs. Someone does it wrong to you, you're very slow to avenge it. You don't even want to do it. You don't do it. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Tit for tat. Out of the question. Are you doing that? I know you understand this. Not so easy to do, is it? This is the stuff you need to do. Forbearing one another in love. Uh, that is to say, to put, to put up with. That's what it means. To put up with another. To, to hold oneself firm. To bear. To endure. Paul provides an example of this from the church in Philippi. Chapter 4 uh, of Ephesians. Uh, Philippians, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Listen to this. Therefore, my brethren, clearly beloved and long for my joy and crown to so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Okay, so he's talking to Christians, talking to a church. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow uh, laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Your contentiousness towards one another is unbecoming of your calling. Let others help you to come together. Fighting is not only unloving, it is sinful. And sin on display is a child's play. It's not for adults. Children do that. They don't care. But you should. <clears throat> Verse 13. Children do that, right? Let us express these uh, Christian traits, these, these characteristics, if you will, uh, <clears throat> that are mentioned in this... Uh, in this chapter, in this verse, verse 13, to we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, it takes a long time to train a child up in the way that he should go. But you do that, and as they go, you will know. You will see it. It will be right before your eyes. Our spiritual training is a lifelong schooling. And we all grow at different rates, brothers and sisters. Persevere with one another. Endure to the end. We're all going to get there. We're all going to be perfect. Put up with one another. Hold on. There's time to fight against heretics and antagonists but not towards each other in the church. I recall, not too long ago, not very long ago at all, two Christians, I think they're Christians anyway, fighting at a prayer meeting. That says it all. Stop. It's embarrassing. There's a second major mark of spiritual maturity, this is where it'll end, and that involves language. In our verse, verse 15, but speak the truth in love. Well, what does that mean? 
speak the truth. Well, it, it, the, the word speaking the truth is one Greek word. It's uh, possible, and a possible has characteristics of both a verb and a noun. But we, so we can't ask, well, what, what, what truth? What, what are you talking about? Scientific truth? Uh, medical truth? Psychological truth? Historical truth? Truth about yourself? Your feelings? You know, I mean, what kind of truth? What, what are you talking about? Be truthful about how you feel towards me or towards one another? That truth? Of course not. Science, medicine, psychology, history, you and me, we're in flux. We're all subject to change, the more knowledge accumulated, especially in the various fields of study. They are, there are, of course, some settled truths in these fields of study, but uh, by no means are these studies complete. There is still much, much more to go. They're not complete. Sometimes they're even wrong. Not science, scientists. Not medicine, doctors. They can be wrong. But not so the Word of God. The natural is subject to change. It may even pass away. The supernatural, no. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my, my word shall never pass away. The supernatural. Remember, we have the supernatural, and the supernatural does not take a backseat to the natural. It doesn't go over for the ride. The supernatural is above and beyond the natural. We're dealing with a supernatural revelation that is complete and full of glory. The truth to which the apostle refers in this particular verse, but speaking the truth, he's referring specifically, or mainly, I wouldn't say exclusively, but mainly to doctrine. The truth concerning doctrine, speaking the doctrines of the faith. And verse 14 makes that crystal clear that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth of doctrine the true doctrine the truths of the gospel the truth of the word of God speaking that truth is what the Apostle clearly is referring to. Doctrinal truth has its eye fixed on one person, and that one person is Jesus Christ and his work. There is nothing more settled than that. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Concerning language, uh, language a child grows from babble to the reading and writing of books. So too, the Christian grows from who made you? God. To justification, adoption, sanctification, glorification, and all the rest of theology. 
We are called to speak the truth, doctrinal truth, settled truth, complete truth, the full counsel of God to one and to all. The challenge is, yes, to understand the doctrine, yes, that's a challenge, but more to the point of our text is to speak the truth in love. Love is the operative word. Honestly, uh, honesty demands that I tell you. Dear family, brothers and sisters and friends, that I have failed to bless and sanctify both friend and foe alike, discussing the truths of Holy Scripture because I carried on in the conversation without love. That's possible. I have done it. And I have practiced numerous times this kind of thing to my shame. Spiritual maturity insists that we Christians speak the truth in love. Now, it's easy for me to speak the truth in love to you. Because honestly, I love you. Some more than others, but I love you. And I hope you love me, because I'm telling you the truth. I don't hold back. That should, that should garner some respect. So it's much easier to do that here. But when uh, confronted by heathens and pagans and strangers, to speak the truth in love is a challenge. Not to get into some sort of argument or put down. And so I, like you, am a work in progress. I'm certain that this can be done because the word of God encourages us. So Paul encourages us as well in Colossians 4, 6 to speak the truth in love, to, do, to grow in the doctrines and the knowledge of God. And how best to do this? Develop the aforementioned graces mentioned above. Lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and so on. First do it among yourselves so that you can do it with other people. First, care for your family. Not your, your biological family, of course you should that. But your church family and, and the other church families in the area. Like tonight when you're going to see people, you're going to be rejoicing. And that's good. Practice this. Do it. Love one another more. So you can do it to other people. And share the gospel in a, in a heartfelt, true way. If a person perceives that you care about him, he'll be more apt to listen, learn, and even, God willing, be converted. You and I must do this, but not in our own strength, but the grace of God, and it's acquired through much prayer and study of the Word of God. And just in summation, Reverend... uh, Blienenberg says, The word of God to us as fathers and mothers, teenagers and children, various members of the congregation is this. Grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk in lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. 
speak the truth in love, and thereby manifest in your life the marks of one who has advanced out of spiritual infancy even unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even our Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, young and old, we can do this. But we must pray about it. And we must be tuned in and turned on to the scriptures, with the scriptures. And nothing short of that will do. I'm making it very easy. You need to pray about this to grow up and to keep on going. And you need to stay tuned with the scriptures every single solitary day of your life. Devote, study, read, understand. And when you'll be able to do this, you'll be able to speak the truth in love to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we are a people, a chosen people, a precious people, a special people. But we're not to be sitting on our lees. We're not to have the thought that, well, I'm okay, that God's not going to do well. He's not going to do much for me. He's not going to do anything bad for me. Yes. We need to rather take the attitude that I am going to grow and continue to grow to the day I die. I'm going to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, come what may. And I'm going to continue to study the scriptures and learn and having to hold them dear to me. And this we say and pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.